Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 69 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We are here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. If you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you really love us, like really, really love us, you can support our ability to bring inspirational stories to you by way of either a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly sponsor. Just go to seasonedathlete.me and click on one of the support seasoned athlete buttons to help support this DIY independent podcast. Today, I'll be talking to Kira Oliver, author of Eight Ways of Being, How to Motivate Yourself to Live Happy and Free Every Day. Kira is on a mission to help as many people as possible live a lifestyle that feels good. And her book details eight simple yet incredibly effective actions you can take to do just that. In our interview, we talk about the tragic event that would eventually set her down this path and would help her discover her athletic potential as an endurance athlete. Kira just exudes positivity and dropped so many nuggets and inspiration in our conversation. So sit back, relax, and take notes as needed because you're about to get fired up, seasoned athletes. Here is Kira Oliver. Hi, Kira. Hi. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I sure am. That's good to hear. You are Kira Oliver, author, motivational speaker, wellness influencer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, lifestyle coach, fitness instructor, fitness director at a five-star health and fitness spa, and endurance athlete. That's a lot. Uh, you've been featured in V Magazine, Parents Magazine, and Runner's World Magazine, among others. And in addition to publishing your own book, Eight Ways of Being, How to Motivate Yourself to Live Happy and Free Every Day, which can be found on Amazon, you were featured in a new book, Graced by Grit, about your resilience. I can't wait to talk about all that. On the athletic side, you have competed in numerous races to include several Boston marathons, New York marathon, 50-mile ultras, Ironman races, and much more hitting many podium spots and some overall podium wins. Wow. Okay. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Wow. You, uh, gosh, thank you for that introduction. That was really, um, appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I just want you to guide me along this. Cause, uh, I, I guess I just want to throw out there that, uh, my athletics and, and fitness, um, probably save my life. We'll see where that goes. Okay. We definitely want to see where that goes. <laughs> but first, but first, um, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I get to be 52 right now. I love that. I get to be 52. We, we always say, you know, we own our age here. Um, and, and I get some, like, I'm, you know, this and this, you know, eight years young, but I love that I get to be this. And we're going to, I think we're going to hear why you feel that way as we continue this interview. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? I was active in high school and that sort of thing, but I came from a small town and and my little town, there wasn't even track or anything. And honestly, I didn't quite know really what that was because of that. So my athletics really came at a later time in my life. And as I just mentioned, um, I'm super grateful for that because I'm pretty sure it's one of the things that saved my life. So for me, I'm going to say, I believe it was around 35 when I kind of started delving into serious athletics and kind of figured out running was my first love and, and kind of starting to figure out, whoa, this is amazing. And I'm digging these endorphins and the camaraderie that comes with it. That really, those really are two big things as, as someone who has become an endurance athlete myself, uh, the community and the endorphins are unlike anything else and can be a lifesaver. So you have now mentioned twice that athletics have saved your life. Can you talk about, can you get more specific as to why that is? 
Yeah, I was uh, had a full service marketing and branding agency for a number of years and and I had a team. And, you know, one day I was sitting in my office and I was sobbing. I'm sitting next to my business coach, Laura. And Laura says, Kira, you know what? You need to start moving. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you, you need to start exercising. I had gone through a tragedy and I, that's one of the reasons I was sobbing. There was a lot of pressure and stress. And then additionally, my team, which was amazing, they were being, some of them were being sought after by headhunters. And I was a small creative boutique. We were award-winning, amazing, you know, a company, but you know, these headhunters were looking um, for bigger companies, which means they could offer substantial um, substantially more money. And I probably seemed a little unstable at the time because I just went through this tragedy and, and I'll, I'll mention the tragedy because I think it'll kind of make things make sense, but I'd lost my four and a half month old little boy and, um, to sudden infant death syndrome. So I'm sitting there and I'm sobbing and Laura says, Hey, you know, when's the last time you exercise? And I'm like, Laura, it's all I can do to get out of bed every day. And she says, you need endorphins. So that is really where things kind of kicked off. And no joke, I started walking and walking faster. And then next thing you know, I'm running five to six miles several days a week at night. Never knew I was a runner. Right, right. I think that that story is familiar to a lot of us. Like nobody yeah. knows they're a runner until yeah. they become a runner, really. That that was my story too. Mine was not based in tragedy necessarily, but it's like you spend your life telling yourself a story yeah. that you are not a runner and you will never be a runner. And then you just take those steps and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the body adapts. And yes, you, you can be and you are a runner. Yeah. What um we'll get to we'll get to the tragedy and the loss of your son because I think that's an important part of your story um but I something that stood out to me and what you just told me because I think it can be familiar for a lot of people and that's just being in a really high stress life situation um and especially women I think like being in a high stress life situation where there's a lot of pressure and it may look like yours and it may not look like yours but that is often a reason for people to not move like that's the that's the story they tell themselves and the excuse they tell themselves to not move so can you go on about how introducing movement changed everything for you and how important it is yeah one piece of information that I think I want to share, and I, I am so happy that I decided to start sharing this because I think it helps those that, um, again, as you said, I think that this would never be possible for me is I actually lived a somewhat unhealthy life for a number of years. And that um, uh, unhealthy side involved I'm, I really hate that I have to say this, but I'm doing it for all of you listeners out there. Um, I was a smoker. Mm-hmm. So I smoked cigarettes and I uh, enjoyed my wine just maybe a little more than I should have. And in any case, so, you know, the whole running thing was, uh, yeah, I, I never thought that I could do that or that would be a part of my life uh, whatsoever. I'd see these runners down the road and a lot of them, uh, clearly I now know they were doing really long runs because they had their water belts on and that sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, I kept wanting to be one of those guys and, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to be there. But after starting this movement, I started realizing how amazing I was feeling. So my health completely changed. Of course I stopped smoking and even stopped drinking for a long time. I mean, now I'll have some, you know, glass of wine with dinner. I'm I'm good with that, but it's not, you know, a, a critical part of my life anymore. Thank goodness. And it's been long gone. And I just started, you know, started moving. I started feeling good. I started, um, you know, meeting with friends. People were inviting me to come run with them. I mean, this whole community thing, I'm like, wow, this is phenomenal. And I just started feeling this sense of love, unconditional love almost, you know, it's kind of like how, what runners do for each other or, or athletes of, of many sorts. It's that unconditional love that you feel that understanding that I've been there, you know, that sense of I've been there before. 
I know how it feels to be new at this and, and people wanting to share and to help you. So it just really became a beautiful example of how I, I kind of wanted to live life. You know, I needed to move myself to a new place and a new way of thinking. And I think that this was the beginning of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting that what you talked about and thank you for your honesty about, I think it's important that you, that you're honest talking about how you're a former smoker and you drank a lot because that's real. That's what people experience. And on the other side, it's as if there's something addicting as well about feeling good, (laughs) you know, and, and wanting to continue to feel good because, you know, my husband and I, it's the same way. It's like once we started really getting into an athletic lifestyle, we both do obstacle races. And the more and more we got into it, the less we wanted to, you know, eat unhealthy food and, oh. and the, because we didn't it, it would make us it would almost compound not feeling good. You know, you eat a little bit and then you feel crappy on your next run. So you don't want that feeling, you know, you don't want to feel hungover. Like that's for me personally as a feeling in my mid forties at 40, almost 45 years old that I just don't care to experience anymore. You know, absolutely. (laughs) you know, it's like you just reach a point where it's like you would just much rather feel good and do the things that make you feel good. Yeah. And even when, uh, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to understand when you're like, hey, I'm all about going out Friday night. Can we eat dinner at five? Yes. <laughs> okay, six, six at the latest. But you yeah. know, I got to be somewhere in the morning, and that's super important because it feels so doggone good. Right. Yeah, I'm going to bed at eight because I'm getting yeah. up at four, like yeah. <laughs> to get get out and run. Like this is this is how I want to live now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. And and for some, it's you know, if if my 20 year old self could look at me now, she'd be like, what? But mm-hmm. but it's how how we want to live now, and it's yeah. different, and it feels amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the loss of your son because that it it. It wasn't an immediate catalyst, but it seems that it led to the catalyst of you not just wanting to live healthy for yourself, but wanting to help others. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So, of course, upon losing him and seriously saying, what am I going to do? I I don't know what I'm going to do, period. And you know, that's why I I just became so grateful that running came into my life that Laura that day said, you got to exercise. You're going to have to move because I wasn't even thinking about that. And, and, you know, I, I needed some way to cope. I needed some way to feel that there was hope in my life. And, you know, upon losing him with the support of friends and family, I mean, we immediately decided that we wanted to help others by, you know, sharing information and helping educate them and, and that sort of thing. So the two things that kind of happened that really became therapeutic for me was, you know, getting into running and that camaraderie and the friends that came with that in the community, and then um, getting into philanthropy and starting a foundation in honor my son and trying to share educational information so that, you know, I just didn't want anybody else to go through this. Um, it's, you know, it's intense stuff and I'm grateful. I'm willing to talk about it because, and the whole reason and the whole reason behind that book and, um, is that I just want to help other people. I want to give them hope. And, you know, the, the beautiful part of what's happened is this book isn't just for somebody who has gone through that intense of a tragedy. It can be for somebody who's like, I'm in a rut and I just need to get out of this freaking rut. And so it, it can be on that level too. And I, I just ultimately found myself in a pretty dark place of kind of, you know, not a lot of that hope just wasn't there. And I was confused and I thought, gosh, am I just, am I not meant to live a joyful life? And it was a pretty scary feeling. And then I finally decided, you know what? I don't believe that. I'm not going to believe that. That's not true. I too am worthy. But in having said that to myself and acknowledging that, I knew that there was a lot of work to be done. 
So I started doing that work and I started researching and reading and, you know, getting involved in my community more, of course, the running and continuing that and ended up just going through these pretty amazing steps that um, brought that joy back into my life. So, uh, yeah. And then I was like, gosh, I got to share this with people. This is a big deal. Like it was that scary. And if I can help somebody else to either never even feel that fear, or if they do have a place to turn, um, with pretty, you know, quick information of steps that they can take, you know, it's just, that's why I put it out there. And so I chose to be vulnerable about it. And, um, you know, I just hope I'm helping somebody. Yeah. And, and let's get into the book a little bit. I'm actually holding it in my hand. Um, eight ways of being how to motivate yourself to live happy and free every day. Um, what I love about this book, like when I was reading this book, it, it's basically eight, eight simple concepts that if we embrace will help us live our best lives. And as someone who is happy or, you know, I, I am, I'm, I consider myself happy and healthy and active and, and in a place of helping people as well. Like the concepts were very familiar to me, but I can imagine someone reading this book that that's in that hole that you were talking about. And, and I'm going back to not necessarily, you know, a deep, deep tragedy, but just overburdened, overstressed, yep. you know, just can't, can't figure out how to be happy yeah. uh, living for others without taking care of themselves. And that is just such a familiar story. Yeah. Um, especially among women, I think. And so I think, you know, having, having a tool like this in this book is really a tool because it's not just something to read. There's a workbook and a journal and you can actually work through these concepts um, in this book, which I think really helps people actualize and, and helps these concepts sink in and helps people, um, you know, take, be able to take action. Um, I think this can be such a helpful tool for people who are in those situations. Um, that that's my take from the book. Thank you. Gosh. I mean, that, that's the whole intention, you know, it's, it's, uh, I wanted actionable steps and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's really, the information is, is, is nothing, crazy. It's just, it's pretty logical thinking, but it's, it's truly what I did. Uh, and I do every day, all of these things I do every day still, like it's just, it's become a part of, of who I am. I, I really sat back and I, I started thinking about, okay, how do you want to live in this world? How do you want to be in this world? Who do you want to be? Not who do you want to be in terms of, Hey, I want everybody to know me. No, not that. Who do I want to be in terms of an example in this world? That's when I started taking my head to that place. And that is why chapter one, which is love. It's, it's about love and kindness and being grateful. And it really wasn't until that component, that piece in my life started happening. Did this all really come together? Yeah, because I think without that, that's sort of a fundamental. Yeah. If you can't come from a place of love and come from a place of gratitude, uh, there you can't do any of the other stuff. Like you can't, exactly. you can't set goals. You can't think about you know movement and eating well and yeah. and dreaming big and things like that. The other concepts in the book, it really you have to have that fundamental peace nailed down and that can be a hard thing for people. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty amazing when you start to practice it, 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 it truly becomes a practice and it, it then just becomes a part of you. And then this other beautiful thing happens because we're human. So we're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day and I actually love it now because I learn so much every time I make a mistake and I'm like, wow, instead of getting, you know, upset about it, I'm actually like, wow, I'm so grateful and appreciative. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but it works. It and does. so yeah, you embrace that. And, and I even embrace things all the way to the point of every time I run, I'm like, thank you for that run. Even if it wasn't my fastest run, or maybe I went two miles less than I meant to or wanted to, I'm still just super grateful that I, going back to, I get to be 52, I get mm -hmm. to run, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's just amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I did an interview with somebody who's a, she's a veteran. And she spoke to something similar. And her point of view is, you know, she 
because she's a war vet, she knows people and new people who don't get to do this. You know, they didn't come home or they lost limbs or, you know, they don't get to do what she gets to do. And so she's always, always comes from a place of gratitude that I get to suffer. You know, I get to put myself in situations where I'm suffering. And even again, if you have a bad run or a bad race, you're still, you still, it's a privilege to get to do this to yourself, you know? And so those words really stuck with me and and it continues to stick with me. Um, that, that yeah it's like this this is a privilege that we get to do and I really love what you said about making mistakes because that's something that I really cling on to as well like every mistake is a learning moment and I actually call it that it's like it's a learning moment it's a learning opportunity rather than a mistake Um, because we can learn something from mistakes and we can learn something from failures every time and that's why it's important to experience those things yeah for sure yeah. So let's talk about uh, the newest book that you're featured in, Graced by Grit. Uh, what is it about and how did you come to be included in it? Yeah. So uh, there is a, a company out here that uh, makes athletic clothing and they actually call Graced by Grit. Local company. Uh, so I live here in San Diego. They're in Solana Beach. And uh, these two amazing women created this company. And I stopped by one day and trying on their clothes, checking out their boutique. And I just fell in love with their stuff and kind of looked into them a little bit. And I just found out that their whole philosophy is just so much about empowering women to be their best selves, uh, to uh, also just empower our community. They work a lot with the young girls as well and just big, big hearts. And it just seemed to align with eight ways of being and, and all of that. I reached out to them and uh, asked if I could be an ambassador uh, for them. And, and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you. They had my book copies of my book for sale in their store, different things were going on. They were supporting me. I was supporting them, uh, sort of thing through that. Oh, I even had a book signing at their store. That was a lot of fun. And one day they reached out to me and they, they said, Hey, we're, we're creating this book and we're wanting to feature, uh, certain athletes in the community that we feel fits the grace by grit philosophy. And we think you're perfect for resilience. And so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so they put me in and I'm, I'm the resilience chapter. And, uh, and I appreciate that because it has taken um, a great deal of resilience to deal with many, many things in my life. And of course, losing my son is number one, but there are a lot of other big things that happen too. And, and even setbacks in my athletics along the way that were uh, challenging. And in any case, I, yeah, that's kind of, kind of how that happened. They've since uh, merged with another company uh, called Hylete and uh, they're, you know, still doing great things and they still have their Grace by Grit Foundation and that sort of thing and, and still pushing their book. Um, so they still exist, but just a, a more from a nonprofit uh, level. And then they're a part of a high lead now, but an amazing company and uh, just, you know, similar philosophies. I like to try to align myself uh, with similar philosophies out there. And um, it just seems to kind of make sense when we can, you know, all support each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with that as well. Let's, uh, let's dig into resilience a little bit, uh, for this next section here. So I want to talk about some of the highs and lows of your, um, athletic and racing history. Um, so can you take us back to what you consider to be maybe your worst, your hardest, your most difficult race or competitive event? Hmm. Wow. I know. Wow. 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 Cause there's two different things that are popping in my head right now. And one is definitely competitive race and I'll let you guide me and we can even talk about both if you want. And then the other is difficulties that I found myself in due to some poor decisions I was making. Um, so maybe I'll talk about most difficult race. There have been a lot. I mean, I've done, I've done a few full Ironman races And before that, of course, my biggest love is running and I'm now an ultra runner. 
and it, it's just really hard to define, you know, like the Boston marathon I've ran, you know, several times and that one and New York, uh, it's funny. I, I got a one second PR, um, after I ran the New York marathon and then I ran the Boston marathon for my second time. And I got a one second PR <laughs> at Boston. I was excited about that. Hey, what? I'd be pretty excited about that. <laughs> so that, you know, those are hard races because during that time, I was just a super hardcore runner on the level of marathoning on the road, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of pounding on the body. I was super hardcore. I ran everything fast, uh, you know, as fast as I could. I'm not the fastest in the world, but I was, you know, doing all right. And, you know, I did very well with the smaller races. I was hitting podiums and some, you know, a couple of smaller races. I might get an overall win of some sort. Um, you know, Boston's a really big race. So I was definitely at that time I was in, you know, that nice little percentile there, but you know, that's a big race. And so, you know, it's hard to get an overall win there. Right. Well, yeah, that would be my career. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so those are really, really hard, but then, you know, taking it to Ironman, whoa, it's like, I remember doing my first half Ironman and, and it wasn't Ironman brand, but it was uh, an Ironman distance. And I actually, um, I almost hyperventilated, uh, um, is that the right word? Um, uh, hypothermia. Sorry. Oh, that's um, different. <laughs> hypothermia. Maybe I almost hyperventilated too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I almost had got hypothermia from uh, getting, you know, and the water was really cold. Mm-hmm. I was a total wimp when it came to swimming in a wetsuit at that time. But here's why I didn't have one on is two days before the water was really, really warm. And now it's funny because I am all about wearing the wetsuit. I'm much more seasoned. This is many years ago, like first one, right? But I'm much more seasoned now. And I want the wetsuit because it makes me faster because it makes you more buoyant. But um, in any case, that was my first one. So that was pretty difficult because I, you know, I was really freezing when I came out of that water and then I had to get onto a bike uh, and it was very windy. And so it was very, it took me about 15 miles on that bike to get um, warmed up. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. I wasn't making good decisions. Probably shouldn't have been on that bike. Right. But I was. And, um, you know, I'm thinking after that, I'm like, oh, and I'm going to go do a full one. What? And but I did. And I, I, you know, I just trained smartly. I, you know, got into it. I learned more. I did the work. I put in the time. So difficult wise, um, you know, a full Ironman is definitely super difficult. And, uh, I'm sure, you know, those distances, but you know, it's, um, uh, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then, you know, a 26.2 mile run, a marathon after that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was really difficult. Boulder was probably, I did the Boulder, uh, Ironman. That was probably one of my most difficult in that category. Um, I, you know, the elevation I think got me and I felt sick the entire marathon. And so that wasn't so good. But, um, you know, if we go into the ultras, I would have to say that my 50 miler at Big Bear, gosh, it's so hard because there was a really tough 50K that I worked really hard on. And I'm actually about to do that race again in two weeks. And I got third overall female in that race. And I was really proud of that. And for somebody who, so I was 50 when I did that, I came, I got to tell you this part, Robin, you're going to love this because we're talking about, you know, some more seasoned athletes here. I come across that finish line. I was actually in second place up until about mile 22. And I knew the girl was close and she passes me. And as you know, in, in that community, um, they, she, she's super nice. She goes, come on, come on, stay with me. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> and I couldn't quite stay with her, but I, I still managed third with 20 minutes to spare from fourth place. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I was so honored. Didn't expect that, you know, and I come across the finish line. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. I go straight to the two women that got first and second. And I said, high five, high five. I got one question for you guys. How old are you? And they were 20 years younger. Wow. I was so, that's my proudest moment in racing probably because I'm just like, you know, I just think it's a good example for us 
uh, as more seasoned athletes, um, you know, men, but definitely women to know that guys, you know, if you put in that work and you're enjoying it and, and whatever, and there's also the supper fest that goes on with it, but it's pretty amazing what you can accomplish. Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, a common theme that I heard through all of these races and all these stories, and you actually answered my next question, which was, what, what's your favorite race? And it sounds like that one might have been it. Yeah, well, um, yeah I have one. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. Um, but it was it was resilient or, you know, it's resilience. And yeah. I think as we get older, if we want to compete, we have to be resilient yeah. um, because you're keeping up with the kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you know, you talked about borderline hypothermia and altitude sickness and all of these things. And yet the common thread is you, you finished, you finished all yeah. these races. Like yeah. you did not give up. Um, and, and even in the, the, your favorite race, you know, you, you may have dropped down to third, but you did not give up and you had a nice, comfortable lead on the person behind you. So uh, it just shows, you know, what we can do at any age, but resilience is kind of a key thing. You are so right. And, and, you know, we all have those voices during the 50 mile or big bear last year. I did, I got third in my age group in that one. It took me, uh, I think it was, uh, 12 and a half, um, hours, something like that, close to 13. And, um, basically I'm, I, I get to, I think it was the 50 K mark. And I said to myself, you know, you can finish right here. I mean, it's 50K. Are you happy with that? And then, of course, immediately I'm like, nope, you are going to finish the 50 miler. That's what you signed up for. You can do it. And I also use these tricks. I started asking myself questions like, are you sick? No. Are you hurt? No. You know what I mean? Like you ask right. questions. Can you finish? Yeah. Then you're going to finish. You know, and <laughs> we really have to treat ourselves like that sometimes. Like. Okay, let's go. Right. Like you've got these voices that are telling you things and you just have to ask some logical questions. Yeah. To, to shut them up. Okay. Yeah. So what kinds of unique challenges do you find that you are encountering as someone in your 50s competing at this high level that you that you compete at? Wow. Challenges. Um, there's a lot. You know, I think that... I, I do find that pace is my biggest challenge right now. I'm wanting to keep that pace going. I'm getting a little older and I just have to pay attention to, to my body. And what that might mean is, you know, you need to rest a little more today might be that day where you take a little bit easier day on your workouts because it's going to serve you well when you need that pace uh, you know, in that long run on Saturday or whatever it may be, you've got, you know, I mean, like I, I because of 50 K is coming up, I do need to try to hit 20, about 22, 23 miles this Saturday. And I know it's going to be tough, but you know, I, I just try to prepare for that by getting more rest, uh, setting reasonable goals and just still trusting that process. Yep. My head starts to talk to me as I'm getting a little older, like, ah, you're not quite as fast. And, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just a little bit of a challenge, but I just try to trust the process. And then also remember as we, this is one of those other things about the, I get to, as we age up, we get more opportunities to actually hit podiums. Yes. (laughs) We're not the only ones that are feeling this. So I really focus on trying to have a really, you know, healthy diet, get the sleep, do the best that I can and, and just pay attention to what your body's telling you. I mean, I had just on my left ankle, um, the, the, I noticed yesterday, I'm like, why is it swollen? Nothing hurts. Nothing hurts. So normally what would I do? It's swollen. Nothing hurts. I'm going to go run anyway. And I, um, you know, decided, no, we're going to back off. And even though nothing hurts, this is your opportunity to make sure nothing happens here. Nothing gets worse. And so I backed off and the swelling went down pretty quickly and I'm good to go. Yeah. 
So I'm better at paying attention to what my body needs, um, but definitely focusing on that rest and that diet and keeping that in check. And then just trying to not overdo it like I used to back in the day when I wouldn't do recovery runs. You know, Mm -hmm. every run was a hard run. You know what I mean? And now mm-hmm. like, no, 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 you're going to do a recovery run today because you're going to run harder tomorrow. Or maybe you're going to swim and bike today. No running at all today. That's another thing I changed is I don't run every single day like I used to. I run five days a week now. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, adding in swimming, cycling and recovery. Yeah. So you talked about uh, the opportunity to podium as a benefit. What other unique benefits do you find you're experiencing as a more seasoned athlete? I believe that what's happening to me now is the appreciation of what I'm getting to do more than in the past. So in the past, it was so much about being competitive and hardcore and not, I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. But I feel like when I was younger, that perhaps I was missing out on some other really beautiful parts of life and shared experiences because I was just so hardcore. And again, that was great. It served me well. It's what I wanted to do then. But, you know, for now, it's like I really enjoy other things in my life. So I'm trying to balance it more. And just having the ability to recognize the need for that. Exactly. I I totally get that. It's like it's easy when you get into especially endurance sports, which require so much time devoted to training that you just kind of get completely consumed by that. Yeah. Uh, you know? And so to be able to kind of take a step back and, and think about the other parts of your life that, you know, you don't want to become so confused, consumed that you neglect other areas of importance in your life. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, think I did that, I, you know, I, I mean, I, not intentionally to hurt anybody or not pay attention to anyone, but I'm just seeing that life, life is just so precious and being into something is amazing. As I've noted, it saved my life. It's been phenomenal. And it's a lifestyle for me. I will always be in fitness. I will always be eating healthy. That is how I love to live. And I choose to live, but I'm also seeing that I need to make sure I'm making time to share my story as much as I can, because my whole purpose of sharing that story in the first place is to help other people. If I'm running all the time, you know, how how are we going to help? Right. So that's kind of where I am in my life is trying to find that balance. And that's why, you know, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity too, you know, because I just, I truly, it is so much easier, Robin, to just hide and not tell the story way easier. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's not it's so in my heart. It is so deeply ingrained in my heart that the thought of sharing this story and helping other people, it won't go away. And, you know, somebody said something to me the other day that I thought was pretty powerful. And it's really helping me, actually. They said, you know, this may sound harsh, but you're stealing from other people that you can help by not telling your story more. I'm like, whoa. That's deep. Right. But it's, it's true and not not purposefully, but, but isn't that why I, I did this in the first place? Isn't that, so it's, what's happening is I'm learning now to shift a little bit, keep my lifestyle of being that seasoned athlete and using what I know to perform the best I can. Cause I will not deny it. I still love to hit a podium and I will still try because I just dig it, but I want to balance this with making sure I'm getting my story out there because it might save somebody's life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talk about with the, with the things I do, I, I run a gym, I compete in sports, I have this podcast, and I like to talk about how ultimately every day I just want to put good into the world. Like it, it boils down to just being as simple yeah. as that. Like yeah. I want to put... I want to put good into the world. I want to know that at the end of my day, I made the world a little better than it was before, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, and we all have our gifts, like being able to do this podcast, I feel is, is my gift by, you know, my ability to find the people and, and bring out their stories. That's, that's what I have to offer that that's what I can do. And I think your unique story is your gift and you are like your friend said, obligated to share that with the world. Like it's not, 
it's not really even a choice anymore. You know, you're so, you're so right. And so that, that mind shift, I mean, it, we're, I'm right in the deep, deep throes of that. And I, I I'm, I'm going to go with it even further than I already have. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, um, listen to that, listen to that voice because it is a good voice. It's a positive voice and just keep pushing it out there. You know, I was a keynote speaker recently. It was awesome. Everybody in that audience, it was sold out and everybody got a book, you know, and hopefully they've shared the book and they've shared the story. And I, you know, I just want to keep doing that as much as I can, because while in the story stems from my experiences, this is to help other people because like I said, it's easier to not do it, but I, I can't go that way. I've got to go. I've got to do what I can to make an impact and, and yeah. make a difference. Yeah. It's easier to not do it, but it feels better to do it. Way better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about energy a little bit because you, you seem to thrive on doing a lot of things. You're an entrepreneur, you're a coach, you're a trainer, you're a philanthropist, ph- philanthropist, you're an endurance athlete. Uh, you're, you're doing so many things. And we talk about making the time, you know, finding, making it a priority to make the time. Um, but I think people might listen to that and be like, how does she have the energy? Like, how does she have the ability to do that? The energy, the drive, the grit, the resilience, as we talked about, how do you have all that to, to do all the things that you want to do? <laughs> wow. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I do feel so full of energy. It is crazy. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm a, a fitness director, assistant fitness director at uh, this you know, really nice spa that I mentioned. And I'm really grateful that I am able to do this. And at that spa, I have to teach. And there might be a, any given day where I have to teach four or five classes and on top of whatever training I might be doing. And I feel amazing and I'm super happy. And the first thing I do actually, when I get there on most days is I'm taking guests on a, on a hike and you know, it's got a little bit of elevation and it's just super cool. Um, it's interesting though, that you say that too, because, uh, people think I'm a little bit crazy that before I arrived there. So I get there at 6 AM on most mornings and people, um, <laughs> think I'm crazy because I'll do a workout before I get there, which means I'm getting up at about three 45, Now I did just say, I try to get a lot of sleep to do that. I do have to go to bed a little early, but I would rather do that and have that energy. But why I work out before I get there is because I, it gives me more energy. So taking care of myself, getting my workout in uh, before I arrive at work, it allows me to get back. And I just thrive on that. Like the energy just keeps coming. I don't sit down all day. I don't have a desire to, I, I feel amazing. And so I don't know, um, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of just taking care of myself and sticking, sticking to it and, and, uh, sticking to my plan, recognizing, as I said before, you know, Hey, if you're tired, you need to rest a little bit more today and just paying attention to my body. I, I think most, a lot of us athletes can admit that we're not that great at doing that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That can be the hardest thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the way that I, that I eat and I also feel that it has a huge part uh, in, uh, in terms of how I think. So going back to that love and that gratitude, we drain ourselves of our energy when we think negatively. And if we think positively and we put that practice into our every day and try to just maintain that, it's amazing. The energy that you will have. And it, it can be as simple as like a simple gratitude practice, like writing down, two or three things you're grateful for every day because that could reframe your thinking where you could have had a terrible day and then you reframe and think about the things, the little things that that were good and all of a sudden you've, you've shifted your whole way of thinking. Yeah, exactly. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, I try to focus on. It, it's just amazing. I, and of course, as a, a director there, I'm really trying to help my team do the same thing so that we're all living that positive culture. I mean, it's, yes. how, it's just how I want to live, you know? And again, it took me a long time to figure this out. And now that I have, I'm like, y'all got to come this way. Cause it is good. I mean, <laughs> is the juice right here. This yeah. is the good water. The juice. It is it's the good <laughs> water that you want. It's that delicious juice. Like this is where it's at. 
if that's if you want to live a joyful life, you got to change the way you think, because it will give you so much energy. You will just Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like I'm just this, you know, flower that's ready to blossom every day. You know, I'm a student every day. I soak it in and you know, I have my tough moments. I'm not, I don't want to pretend that, Oh, everything's so perfect. No, but because I think this way, I'm able to deal with the issues. That's where that resilience comes in. I'm able to deal with stuff when it does come my way. Yeah. And your your motto is uh, living a lifestyle that feels good. Yeah, um, that yes. is your that's your phrase that pays right there. Um, and it sounds like, you know, I think you spoke to what help what really is key to that and, and mindset and, you know, positive mindset is really super fundamental, it sounds like to sparking everything else to create that lifestyle that feels good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I tell people that that feels good. It, it, you know, losing weight through fitness or mindful eating or gaining muscle or, you know, whatever it is, looking good in your skinny jeans. I mean, that's, that's great. That's actually a side benefit. Yes. That's a side benefit to lifestyle that feels good. You got to yeah. feel good. Like how, how can we give back to each other if we don't feel good? If, it, if what you're doing makes you feel good, you're going to want to do more of it. That's why people overeat, because for a brief moment, it feels good. That's yeah. why you smoke, because for a brief moment, it feels good, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah. creating this lifestyle where you feel good all the time, yeah. that's also going to spark the desire to do more of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's 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 the habit change. That's the deep stuff. Yeah. And, you know, in talking about getting this story out there. You know, I, I too have to have those little conversations. It almost my athletics and what how I try to live my life, they're so parallel. I use very similar techniques. So when I was saying I'll ask myself in a race, do you feel okay? Are you hurt? Is your stomach upset? You know, these little things. And you're like, no, actually I'm fine. Are you being lazy? Okay, maybe a little. Okay, go. I do the same thing with the other part of my life. I use the same techniques you know, Hey, are you feeling okay? What's holding you back from sharing this information? Don't you feel pretty good? Your energy's fine. Yeah. I feel great. Okay. Let's go. So little check-ins with yourself, little check-ins because they work because Mm -hmm. we have these voices that naturally want to tell us, Hey, you need to chill out. Hey, you know, this is too much. Why are you doing all that? We have all that negative stuff that that does come against us. And, you know, you, we have to take control of that and be sensible. I mean, there are times where you do have to, you know, relax. And I do that. If I'm going this weekend on Saturday, when I do that 22, 23 mile run, you better believe after I have a nice, you know, Epsom salt bath that I'm going to chill out on the sofa for a little bit. I hear you. Yeah, with a good (laughs) meal and I'm going to relax. But that part of taking care of myself, then, brings that energy back and I'm able to check in go, okay, you ready to go? We got a few things we need to do. We got some, you know, whatever it is. And it just kind of keeps that going. And, and also one other thing I want to add to that is that I'm noticing that when I pay more attention to being in the moment, I actually accomplish a lot more. Go on about that. So if I have some things, some tasks I want to do, let's say I want to do some, um, a blog post. If I focus and I stay in the moment of doing that blog post, that's what I'm trying to accomplish. It gets accomplished thoroughly, beautifully. It gets posted. It's done. I get to move on to the second, next thing, whatever it is. If I'm trying to do multiple things at one time, and I'm a great multitasker, but you know, if I shift my focus, then I, I end up not accomplishing all these important things that I need to, because I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not in the moment. I'm not in the moment. I'm not taking advantage of being in the moment and therefore I'm not effective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I read, uh, there's a book called the one thing. Um, yeah, I love that book. Yeah. I love that book because it really, it stuck with me that it's like multitasking in certain ways is a myth because our brain can really only truly focus on one thing at once. And it's more about prioritizing versus multitasking and that really really stuck with me that it's like what is the one thing that I need to get done right now and you will like you said you'll do it you'll do it 
succinctly. You'll do it uh, effectively. You'll do it beautifully because you're not getting distracted by a million other things. Um, And that can apply, you know, with your training, can apply with your racing and it can apply with your work. Um, And I think that's that's super useful knowledge. You know, in your book, you give advice about the importance of being physically active. And of course, you have taken it to a much higher level. What advice do you have for people who may be around your age or intrigued about the idea of participating in some sort of endurance sport or, or running to a higher level? Um, what advice would you have for those people? I think establishing what they want to do and why is oftentimes really helpful a lot of times I think we jump into things and we really just have no idea why. And and then we're always searching for something. So I think sometimes stepping back and going, Hey, you know, I've always done 10 K's. I want to do half marathon. Let's just say, cool. You can do that. You know, are you wanting to do it just because it sounds fun? I mean, that's fine too, but maybe just know, yeah, it just sounds fun. And I, I just, gosh, I've always wanted to do it. You don't need a big reason, but I think that that's really cool to do it just because your buddies are doing it might not be as satisfying. Um, and that's why I, I, I typically like, you know, make it about, you know, why do you want to do it? Don't do it because everybody, you know, else wants to do it. But the other thing I really just want to encourage people is that you can do on the other side, you can do way more than you think. As I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I never, never thought I was a runner, much less doing 50 mile races. I mean, seriously, I, I never, ever thought that. And people can do way more than they want. If they're finding pleasure out of it, if it's exciting, it's giving them a lifestyle they love, they get to share things. You know, I say go for it. Um, get with a coach if you want one. There's plenty of information online too. But you do want to take care of yourself along the way. And I also, you know, try to, I like to encourage people, you know, if, if let's say you're doing 10Ks and you want to start like improving your pace. Well, there's always, um, typically there are running groups around. I would say, hey, you need to start doing track once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to do, when I am not able to do my track work, my pace totally declines. I have to get certain types of work in. So you want to, you know, to me, you want to kind of know, okay, am I just doing the race to finish the race? That's fine. Totally fine. If that's your deal, that's fine. Or I've been doing this race, but I want to do it faster. Then you got to start to think a little bit more about how am I going to accomplish that? Oh, I need to do some work on the track. Do I want a coach? You know, if you can afford a coach, get one. I've worked with numerous coaches that have taught me so much. And I'm now able to coach other people because of all my experience, get a coach, get into it, enjoy it, bring the family along, you know, make it a family event. And there's so many ways to incorporate it into your life and really enjoy it and, and get, you know, again, if you want to get better, you can get better, stronger, faster, run longer. All of these things are possible as long as you take care of yourself along the way and you're, you're just smart about it. You know, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to, um, you know, I think that it's pretty typical that if you're in like, I'm, you know, this 23 mile run is my longest run of this training session for this 50 K and I worked my way up to that. Even though I'm always training for ultras, I have my periods of time where I back off. Mm-hmm. I work up to it and I would never add more than 10% mileage each week. That's how I was able to stay injury free and enjoy the process. Yeah. You got to kind of think about, you know, there's a lot of different factors, you know, and I just say do a little research online, get with a coach, um, but think about what is it you're wanting to do? Is it just the event itself or you actually want to take an event you've been doing and you actually want to get faster at that event, or you want to learn something new altogether. I mean, I think they're all amazing. And I always tell people, you do not have to go do 50 miles like I do. I (laughs) love it. But if your thing is yoga, I mean, that's fine. Move, right? Just move, get those endorphins, enjoy it. It's going to give back to you in so many ways. Yeah. Do what lights you up, whatever it is. And don't be, oh, I'm so sorry, Robert. I wanted to add, and don't be afraid because if you put the time in and you go through the process, 
You have nothing to fear. Fear, fear of jumping, you know, being pushed off a cliff is very different. That's real. Okay. But fear of just not accomplishing something, you know, a lot of that, that fear, which I talk about in my book, you probably remember, mm-hmm. it's not real. And we allow that to hold us back from doing things we want to do. So gosh, I say, go for it, get advice, seek it out because this life is short and we need to live it. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And you know, you, you, you covered a lot of things there, but what it really goes back to fundamentally is like, start with your why, like have a, have a strong why as to why you want to do what you're going to do. And then you can bring on all those other pieces based on what exactly you're trying to accomplish. Right. Absolutely. It's a beautiful process. Yes. So as we get ready to wrap up, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey, your life journey that you would like to share with our listeners today? I do probably many, but I'm going to stick with this one because that's what you asked for. and, And that is, not trying is not an option. Yes. Not trying is not an option. Not trying is not an option because you can ask yourself, have you ever been upset for trying something? We're right. more upset for not trying something than for trying it, trying it. And, and maybe it didn't turn out the way you wanted or whatever. That's fine because that's the learning process. Like you said about failure earlier, that's part of it. We are students. If we have the mindset of being a student for the rest of our lives, you will enjoy life so much more. I love thinking this way. I wish I thought this way much sooner in my life, but hey, now nobody has an excuse, right? They know the secret. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's It's it's, never too late to start thinking this way. It's never too late. And and so the not trying is not an option when I'm, you know, working with, you know, guests and clients and teaching and and teaching my lifestyle wellness. I really try to share that not trying is not an option. And it just totally then keeps it on the table, you know? Yeah. The only regret comes from not doing something, not trying something. Yeah. Anything that comes from the trying, whether it is failure, mistakes, that's all learning opportunities that all can help you get better at what you're trying. But if you don't try, that's the only place that regret comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And finally, if someone wants to learn more about you and connect with you, how can they do that? KiraOliver.com or YourOwnUtopia.com. They go to the same website. So Kira is K-Y-R-A-O-L-I-V-E-R.com. Everything is on there. And I would love to hear from people. If people have any ideas, suggestions, or they just want to chat. I mean, I'm, I'm up for it. I am here to hopefully make somebody's life better. Yes. And, and you just, you dropped so many bombs on this show, like great knowledge bombs and, (laughs) and helpful information. And I, you know, I don't know how anyone could come away from this episode, not learning something, not being inspired, uh, not feeling a little better about their lives. Like that's, you you know, we're putting good into the world and that is what you did today. Kira, thank you so much for being on the season athlete. I love that you're devoting your life to helping and inspiring others that to live a lifestyle that feels good. It's a simple concept, but it's so important. We should all strive to do that every day. Congrats on all of your achievements. And thank you so much for what you are doing to help everybody live healthy and happy lives. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much, Robin. All right, season athletes, here are my top three takeaways from Kira Oliver. Number one, joining an athletic community can be transformational. As Kira said, when she joined a running community, she found people who provided her unconditional love and understanding at a time when she truly needed it. She found people who remembered what it was like to be new at the sport and provided a supportive and welcoming environment for her. If you're feeling alone in your life, you can find people who will lift you up in an athletic community. Number two, mistakes are always an opportunity to learn. I personally use this one all the time. There are no mistakes, only learning opportunities. So don't fear making mistakes. Don't fear failure. Embrace them. Be grateful for them. They will only make you better. And number three, adopt an I get to attitude in your life. Kira said, I get to be 52 right now. When she has a tough race, she still understands that she gets to experience that suffering. 
Being alive and healthy is a privilege that not everybody has. So no matter what is happening in your life, no matter how old you are, no matter how difficult your workout was today, how challenging your workday was, remember that you get to experience all of that. This little language change can shift your entire perspective. Thanks again to Kira Oliver. You can learn more about her and get her book, Eight Ways of Being, at kiraoliver.com. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from someone who knows that music is a big part of a life that feels good, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. You've been asking for Seasoned Athlete shirts, and now they're here. Go to seasonedathlete.me and click on shop to see our selection of tees, tanks, sweatshirts, water bottles, and more. Shop now and proudly own your status as a seasoned athlete. Do you know of someone who would make a great guest on this show? Or do you have an inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. And remember, you can help bring inspiration to more people by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now go on out and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.